0: start our time in the scriptures together. It says this in verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your word. We thank you that you have been so kind and gracious to reveal yourself to us, to communicate with us and show us who you are. God, what you have done, what you will do. You've shown us your heart and your character. And for that, we thank you and praise you. And now, Lord, we turn our attention together to your word and Ask that you would take this time to shape our hearts and our minds, to form us, to convict us and challenge us by the power of your spirit as we seek to understand and apply your word to our lives. Lord, thank you, and we give this time to you now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here at FBC. So glad that you've joined us. Uh, if you don't know me yet, we, uh, my wife and I, we have a daughter who we talk about her a lot up here. That's just something that comes with being a pastor's kid, I suppose. Uh, she's a little over a year old, but before she came around, I was kind of afraid of kids, or babies. Like, we would go to the hospital when our friends would have babies, and they'd be like, do you want to hold our newborn? And I was like, no, I don't, thank you. Uh, because they just were kind of scary and fragile, and I kind of thought that if I held one, I would somehow drop it or, or break it. And so I was like, no, I don't even want to go there. Don't, like, let me near that thing. Um, and so when i would hold a baby it was kind of you ever seen the person who does one of these and like you're sitting in the chair and you you don't move because you're like stiff and you don't know what to do you don't want to drop the baby yeah so that was me but then we had a daughter and kind of by necessity you hold your kids and you get you know you had to i was still scared and i wanted to hold her and so i started to do that and the strangest thing happened over time as i practiced that and held her more and more i became more comfortable, and I gained some muscle memory and, and figured out how to do it. So I wasn't this kind of stiff, scared, young dad. And if you have kids or have been around kids or have kids in the family and you've held them, then you know that at first maybe it's a little scary, but then eventually it's like you've got a little football, you tuck under the arm, and you just know what you're doing. You walk around, and if you're a mom or if you're dad and you've got kids at home, you've got one kid here, and you're doing things, and you're chasing around the other kid, and you just it's, it's natural to you because... You've done it so much that you just get comfortable with it and it kind of shapes you and kind of becomes just a part of what you know and who you are. And that principle is true in all of life, right? The practices or the habits that we do over and over again begin to shape us and just become a part of who we are, whether those practices and habits are good things or whether they're not so good things. We become more and more shaped by them. And so the question of our lives is not as much, are we being shaped and formed into a certain kind of person? That's not the question. The question is, what kind of people are we being shaped and formed into? What kind of people are we becoming? That's what the whole idea of this Rhythms series has been about. Over the course of the summer, we've looked at these habits or these practices, these rhythms, spiritual disciplines that we as believers should be moving in in order to grow and be healthy and be shaped into the kind of people that love the Lord and follow Him more faithfully and look more and more like Jesus. Are we engaging in the right kinds of habits and practices so that they shape us. So this morning, we're doing the last week of this series, and it's my hope just to kind of wrap it up, not uh, doing a standalone new rhythm, but kind of reflecting back on some of the things that we've seen over the past 10 weeks or so, and kind of bringing up some themes that bring some closure and final reminders to us. And we're using Philippians chapter 1 as our guide for the morning, the text that I read for us already, which let's look back at it now. Verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1 says this, I thank my God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, if you were with us last year, we walked through the entire book of Philippians, preached through it, Uh, chunk by chunk on Sunday mornings. And so maybe uh, if you were with us for that or maybe you've studied Philippians on your own in the past, you remember that the relationship between Paul and the Philippian church was quite special. They had a bond of love and support and warmth and commitment and more than any other of Paul's letters to the various churches that we find in the New Testament, this letter to the Philippians was marked by that, that unity and, and friendship and love. See, the church in Philippi was planted by Paul there in the first century, and they from the very beginning and continued on to be some of Paul's strongest supporters in ministry as he continued to plant other churches and spread the gospel. And so you notice that as he's writing to them, he thanks them. And he thanks them. He has joy in his heart because it says these believers had partnered with him in the gospel. They were partners in ministry from the first day until now as he's writing. And the word here for partner is koinonia. It's Maybe when you've heard before, it's often translated as fellowship. It carries the idea of participation or sharing together in something. And so Paul is writing to these believers and he's saying, we've been in this thing together. The cause of the gospel, the kingdom of God and the expansion of the kingdom and the work of Jesus Christ in the world from the first day you heard about Jesus... You heard the gospel, the good news, you received it, you believed in him, and ever since, you've been working alongside me, sharing that message, helping this church to grow, helping us to plant other churches. We've been serving together, teaching together, praying together, we've been partners So as Paul is is writing this letter to the church, he's in prison at the time that he's writing it, and and the church has actually sent Paul a gift, some, some finances, some help to sustain him while he's in prison. And so from the first day that they heard the gospel up until now, when Paul's even in prison facing persecution because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, these believers have labored alongside Paul, supporting him and themselves investing in the growth of the kingdom. And so as we close our rhythms series this morning, I wanted us to see this picture of partnership, of mutual support, and laboring together for the cause of Christ. Because we need to remember that these rhythms we're talking about, and the cause of the gospel, is not just about, you and Jesus. It's not just about you. Actually, when you put your faith in Christ, you become a part of something much bigger than yourself. You become a part of the body of Christ, a part of this community that has a common cause, a common purpose to glorify God and see lives transformed and our communities transformed by the gospel. And this needs to be said because so often in Western American culture. We get shifted into the mode of individualism. It's just about me and Jesus. We kind of become religious consumers where we think that church and faith is about me getting fed and fueled, and so I find my favorite speaker, or I have my podcast that I listen to, and it's all just kind of about me intaking. And I look for the right religious experience that fits me the best, and it's all just about me, about me, about me. But but Paul is reminding this church and reminding us that we're a part of something bigger. Together, we are, are partnering and laboring alongside one another for the cause of Christ, to see people come to know Jesus, to see our community shaped by the gospel, to see people fall in love with the Lord. And so as Paul and the Philippians are partnering together in the first century for the cause of the gospel, the same is true and should be true of every church since then, of our church today. Together, we're people who move in these rhythms that we talk about. We're people who read the scriptures together. We're people that pray together, that fast together, as some of us were able to do this week. We're people that confess our sins together and rest together and celebrate the message of Jesus together. And so these these rhythms are not just individual things for you to do, but they're things that shape us as a community. And I hope that that's an encouragement to you. Because if you think about it, some of these practices that we've talked about over the summer might be looked at by outsiders as kind of strange. People might look at the things that Christians do and think you guys are kind of weird and a little off. I mean, think about it. Someone could say, wait, you you look at this book and you really you really believe that there's a God of the universe who created everything that is and sustains everything by his power and his word, you think that he has spoken to you and to the world through this old book. You, you believe that. Or like you believe that you can, can pray, like in your head quietly, you can pray or out loud, and there's this personal God somewhere out there that, that may, again, made everything, upholds everything by his power. And in that God, you think, hears you and and responds to you along with the other however many millions or billions of people on the earth. You really believe that? Or you believe in this concept of sin that sounds so old and strange that you can offend this God and, and harm one another, people, and you need to confess that sin? That you're guilty before this God and you need to confess that and you need to seek forgiveness? Like, you really believe that? Or you believe that this Jesus... From 2,000 years ago, this Jewish rabbi that was walking around, you believe he's the savior of the world, that he's the real king of everything, even though he he died on the cross? You believe that that somehow is connected to to your forgiveness and your salvation? You believe that he is what these writings say he is? Amen. We, We do believe those things, right? But people on the outside would be like, that's just weird. Like, who lives like that? That's just so odd. Those rhythms, and so for us, again, some of those things seem so normal, that's just, yeah, as Christians, we do believe those things. We believe that is true. We believe Jesus is who he said he is. We believe there is a personal God that hears our prayers, that is spoken to us through the scriptures, through his word. We're like, yeah, these are true. So be encouraged as you look around this room, we are people that are together believing this gospel, together moving in these rhythms, even though to the rest of the world it might seem so very, very strange. Be encouraged that you're not alone as you seek to follow the Lord. Paul continues as he's writing to his friends in Philippi. They have partnered together in ministry, and he says, here's my prayer for you. I'm praying for you, church. And he says in verse 9 of chapter 1, a few verses later, he says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So he's thanking these believers and he's saying, I'm praying for you and here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that what your Love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. It's interesting that he couples love with knowledge. Love and knowledge are not opposites. He says, I want you to grow in your love for the Lord and for other people, and I want you to grow in knowledge and insight and awareness. And he continues, I want you to be able to discern what is best be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So he's pointing us forward to the return of Jesus, saying, I want you to be ready for that day, standing in Christ. But notice, thing, I want you to be more than just nice people. I don't want you just to be loving people. Yes, I want your love to abound more and more, but I want your knowledge and your insight and your discernment to grow. I want you to be wise. I want you to be thoughtful. I want you to engage with your mind as Christians, right? We worship God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want you to embrace the life of the mind and grow in your knowledge and wisdom and discernment and, and insight. He's saying, that's my prayer for you. And if you notice, he's praying for fruit as well. saying, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness talked about this at the beginning of this series, that as believers, our lives are to bear fruit, to produce something. And he's saying, verse 11, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. I want your lives to be producing righteousness, which only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. But it reminds us of John 15, right? Do you remember we started our series looking at John 15, where Jesus was saying, if you remain in me, You will bear much fruit. You have to stay connected to me in order to bear fruit. This passage repeats the same thing. The fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. It's not in our own strength that we start to produce these good things in our lives, but it's through staying connected to Jesus Christ and walking in his ways. So Paul's saying, I'm praying for your love to abound, for you to grow your love, I'm praying for you to grow in your knowledge and insight and bearing fruit. Again, this is the language of growth. This is what our whole series has been about. Paul praying here, I want you to grow, church, in these ways. But like we talked about before, growth doesn't just happen. Growth doesn't just happen. Your love won't abound more and more, and your knowledge and depth of insight and discernment won't grow and abound if you don't take part in that, if you don't do anything to seek that growth. again, the same principle is true elsewhere in life. There's a reason that people train for marathons, right? If I were to say to you, hey, this afternoon we're going to go and we're going to run a marathon as a church, you'd probably say, no, we're not. Because that's crazy, because, yeah, you, you need to train and prepare and, and build up endurance and, and strength and put work in for probably months to get yourself ready to, to do that. It takes training, time. And so, so growth in our spiritual lives is the same way. It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen without some involvement, some effort on our part to develop our own hearts and grow. And so these rhythms that we've been talking about this summer are sort of spiritual exercises, right? Where we engage with the Lord and have these habits and practices that help us develop into the people that God wants us to be, to stay connected to Jesus. And so what are the rhythms that we've looked at this summer? About eight of them, they're up on the screen. We've looked at reading the Bible and engaging with Scripture. We've looked at rest prayer, being in community. We've looked at the concept of confessing sin regularly. We've looked at giving, not only finances, but giving of your time and your effort to serve and be involved in God's work in the church and outside of the church. We've looked at the rhythm of preaching the gospel to yourself, and we've looked at the rhythm of fasting. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. There's certainly more that we could add to this, but I think this hits a lot of the big ones, and is a good place to start for us to look at this list and say, okay, Lord, these are some of the the rhythms or the, the habits that we see taught and modeled in Scripture. We would benefit from moving in these ways, from implementing these things in our lives, and so, okay, Lord, chances are there's something on this list that I need to grow in. Probably one of these, at least for each of us, that we've neglected or maybe overlooked or is not really a part of our lives and so this is a chance to say okay Lord what part of following you do I need to grow in which of these rhythms am I neglecting or overlooking or is completely absent from my life another pastor once said that you can measure a life by what a life is willing to miss You can measure a life by what a life is willing to miss. We'll be able to look back on our lives one day. What will be the things that we missed, that we left out, that we said, "Now that's not that important. That will tell us something about our lives. That will tell us something about what we truly value. Notice as we look at this list as well, and as you're pondering this, they're not necessarily flashy or showy or the most exciting, grandiose rhythms. Some of them often go unseen. They're not to be noticed by others. They're not necessarily exciting and thrilling. I mean following Jesus is no doubt an adventure. Worth our entire lives and commitment, but much of our walk with him will not consist of the mountain high experiences or fire coming down from heaven experiences. It will be in the, the faithful, consistent, obedient, daily steps of faith. Where we trust God in the small things day in and day out over the long haul. Pastor Eugene Peterson put it this way. He wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is a great title for a book. Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He said this, he said, there's a great market for religious experience in our world, but there's little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. how insightful. There's a great market today for religious experience. Don't we want that? The big show, the the flash, the spectacle that draws us in that's exciting. We're drawn to that. There's a great market for that, he says. But how many of us are really looking for and willing to embrace the long, patient walk with the Lord where day by day, he develops us and helps us to grow in the unseen moments, this long apprenticeship in the way of Christ. That's difficult. And often we grow impatient. And instead of implementing these rhythms faithfully, we get disgruntled because change doesn't come as fast as we want it to, or it doesn't feel as exciting as we thought it would or should. But we're called to faithful obedience, to walk in these ways, and so I encourage you, again, to consider these rhythms in your own life. Now, if you're here this morning, and maybe this so far has been rather discouraging for you, or exhausting, or overwhelming to think about, I have good news for you. Or because so far, it might be possible to think that, wow, these these rhythms, uh, these ways to grow, it's really all up to me. The burden or the weight of maturity and development in Christ is on me. I need to make things happen. I need to get my stuff together. This depends on me. Maybe if you're sensing that, that's led to some kind of discouragement. right? Because we want to grow. We want to learn. We want to develop. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to become better people and more godly in every way. But maybe you want those things, but you feel stuck and you feel like you've tried maybe even for years to grow and just doesn't feel like it's happening. You feel stuck and discouraged like I'm failing. I'm not the person I want to be. I don't know as much as I should know. I still have these bitter attitudes towards people that I'm working through. I don't have the character or the heart that I feel like I should have as a Jesus follower and I'm trying and I'm trying, but it's not quite working out. I haven't quite arrived. So then you hear a message like this and it's like, just do these rhythms, just get to work, do these things, and it'll happen. It's it feels like just a bunch of law laid on you. Like, go get to work. Go make it happen. It's up to you. It's a burden for you to bear. And if that's what you've been feeling, there's good news for you. Because, yes, we are responsible for our lives. We have a part to play, no doubt. We have a responsibility to pursue the Lord, to make decisions, to walk in His ways, to prioritize the things of God, no doubt. No doubt we are responsible in that way. But Paul, in Philippians chapter 1, as he's writing to this church, reminds them, reminds us of a deeper reality that's at work. What does he say earlier? We read it to start. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We looked at that already. And then he says this, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is good news. When this letter was written, it's likely that the church in Philippi was facing some opposition, some persecution, some challenges. We don't know exactly what the nature of that opposition was, but we can see hints throughout the letter that the church might have been a bit discouraged facing this pressure from the outside. They might have been a bit fearful and afraid. Some of the people there in that church might have been rethinking their decision to follow Jesus. Paul's writing them. He's trying to encourage them. He's saying he's confident That they will continue walking with the Lord. But he's confident, notice, not because they are resilient or particularly smart. Not because they are resourceful or they're just such good people. They're going to figure it out and keep walking with the Lord. They have good hearts. That's not what Paul says. That's not where Paul puts his confidence and his hope. Where does he place it instead? He says his confidence is in the plan and power of God. See that in the text? Verse 6, I'm confident of this, that what? That he who began this good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm confident, what? That God is the one who started this work in you. And so God is the one who will finish it. He'll carry it through. He will see you through till the day of Christ. Which just uh, reminds us of a couple things. First, that God is the one who began or started this work in you in the first place. God started this work in you. He who began this good work in you. What does this tell us? God made the first move. God's the one who initiated this relationship with you. God is the one who called you, who justified you, who is sanctifying you. I mean, today it's common for us to talk about those who are seeking God, and we talk about people who are spiritual seekers, and they're kind of on this journey to find the Lord, and maybe God feels kind of elusive, but they're kind of going in in search of Him. You've heard some of that language. Maybe that's true in, in a sense. But when the Bible talks about this, it kind of shows us the exact opposite. It shows us that it's not that we are seeking God. Actually, the picture is that we have gone astray. We've rebelled. We've actually turned from the Lord and are going the other direction. And it's God who is seeking us. It's God who came after us, who left the 99 sheep on the hill to find the lost sheep. It's God who came after you. It's not that you were just so smart and turned to him all of a sudden or searching for him and you're like, found you, God. And he's like, oh, no. You know, he came after you. That's what our hope is based on. God sought us. He came after us. He called us out of sin and death. And this is the the gospel that we celebrate every week, right? That we were lost, but that Jesus found us. He came, he lived, he died in our place forgive us of our sins, to adopt us into his family, to give us new life and a cleansed heart, his spirit within us, eternal life. All of these good things come through Jesus Christ, reconciliation with God the Father and so on. We could go on and on. And so, yes, we repent when we hear the gospel and we turn to Jesus and we put our faith in him, of course. Right? We can still sing the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, which we will hear in just a few minutes. Right? We can still sing that, I Have Decided, because we realize that before we decided, there's a, a deeper truth, before we decided, God decided. God came after us. He saved us, and so we respond to what He is doing. And so we can sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, but recognizing that as a response to what God has already been doing in our hearts and in our lives before we were even aware of it. And this is true both in an individual sense and in a corporate sense. As the church, God has made us who we are. God has brought us together as a a ragtag bunch of people for his purposes. So Paul says, since God is the one who started this work in you, he's the one who will finish it. He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Carry carry what on? His work in you until the day of Christ. Pointing forward again to the return of Jesus. Looking forward to, to that day when the Lord returns and puts an end to evil and injustice and fully establishes his kingdom forever. But, you see, this points us to the character of God. God is faithful. God doesn't just start a project and then leave it and walk away with it unfinished, the way that we so often do with any number of things, especially household chores for me. God doesn't leave us. Doesn't leave us unfinished. Doesn't expect us to figure it out or to become fully sanctified in Christ on earth. Our own, this work that he began in you, he will finish. He will sanctify you. He will transform your heart and your desires and how you think and how you act. And he will shape you into the image of Christ more and more. That's our hope, right? That not only are we made alive and forgiven of our sins, but that God is transforming us more and more into his image, making us into the people that we are intended to be, where we love him, where we love others, and where we are wise and good stewards of this world that he has entrusted to us. I tell you, this is good news for my soul because even this week I was wrestling with discouragement, wrestling with just feeling disheartened and, and frustrated about myself and what I know or don't know, feeling I don't know enough or I'm not good enough at this or I failed at this. Maybe you can relate to that. Just feeling like, ah, oh, just discouraged with where you are in life. You want to be somewhere else, or you want to be more something than you are. As I prepared for this sermon, God was like, I know. I know that's where you are. I'm not done with you. I'm still at work in your life. I started this work in you, and I'm going to finish it. I'm working. I'm growing you. That's good news. And so this passage reminds us that as we engage in these rhythms, yes, we're to work at it. Yes, we're to make changes. Yes, we're to implement them and take responsibility for our lives and seek to grow, of course, but all the while remembering that we belong to God, that He is faithful, and that He is at work, and He will finish what He started in us. See, we all know people who who get stuff done you know, maybe at your job or maybe in the home, you know that if you put a project on someone's plate, they just, they handle it. They take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. Is it going to get done? Is it going to get finished? You just know that they're a hard worker and they take care of things. You put it in their hands and you don't worry about it. But then there are some people where you, you give them a project and it, the work kind of finds its way back to your desk. The work finds its way back on your plate. Like, Man, I can't trust this person to, to get things done to take care of what they need to take care of. And so the idea here is that God is faithful to finish the projects he starts. And so we can trust him. He's the project manager of our lives. He's the one at work. He's going to see this through. And so as we work and strive and labor and move in these rhythms, we can rest at the same time, trusting that God is overseeing all of it and has his hand in all of it. And so as we seek to glorify God and see lives transformed by Jesus and we see God's kingdom of peace and justice come more fully on earth, healing our broken world, and we get to be his representatives and agents of love and grace in the world, it's going to take work and practice and devotion and sweat and probably tears and moving in some of these rhythms. But it's worth it. We can trust that God is using us in a work. And so I, again, encourage you to consider as you look at this list. What steps do you need to take to say to the Lord, put me in, coach. Put me in. I want to prioritize the things of the kingdom. I want to grow in your ways, Lord. I want to be used by you. Which of these maybe has been overlooked in your life that God is calling you to? Let's pray. Well, Father, once again, we turn to you and we say thank you. Thank you for your word and thank you for this great promise that you began this good work in us and you will carry it through to completion. Our lives are in your hands. We're not left on our own. We don't depend on our own strength for our maturity in Christ or our development or our sanctification, Lord. From start to finish, this is your work. Help us to rest and to trust you. And, Lord, to give ourselves fully to you and your cause, to jump in with both feet, Lord, to prioritize you and your ways and your purposes in this life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So at this time, the offering plates are going to come around. And if you filled out the card this morning, this would be the time to...